Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Townsquare Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue. This is a weekly public affairs program designed to keep you informed about important issues affecting Monmouth and Ocean Counties. Now here's Vin Ebenu with this week's Jersey Shore Journal. And a good evening to you. I hope that you've all had a great weekend and I thank you for joining us tonight to discuss the Jersey Shore. My guest on the show tonight is Manchester Township Police Chief Robert Dolan. Then Dan Alexander has a look at what's on the Jersey Shore calendar this week. Car accidents and crashes can be caused for any number of reasons, but there was a rise in accidents in 2022 in Manchester Township. Manchester Township Police Chief Robert Dolan was a guest on Short Time with Vin and Dave recently to discuss this and so much more involving Manchester Township and what they're doing with the police department to investigate such incidents and also discuss so much more. He is my guest on the show tonight. Chief, welcome on in. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you guys calling me in and uh, having a conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so lots to get into. It was a conversation we started to have towards the end of the new year, obviously beginning of the new year, and you know, making sure people are doing things right with drinking and driving, impaired driving, people are following the rules of the road and so forth. Um, want to have a couple driving topics, related questions for you that we want to run by and make sure that people are, uh, as they're putting together their New Year's resolutions and goals and everything, put down proper driving behavior as among them. Stop sign means stop, yield means yield, and so on and so forth. Um, but in, in terms of um, some of the, the driving behaviors and single car accidents across town, whether it's in the homes or particular stretches of road, I know Route 70, 571 is typically you know, a busy stretch of road or um, sometimes um, a part of the areas of town, um, you know, where there are some accidents and everything. But in terms of the single car crashes, I know that's been somewhat of an issue over the years as well, whether it's in the senior communities or in other parts of the community as well. Is this a recurring problem? Do you find that there's a particular cause for some of this? Is it a lot of... uh, I thought I hit the brake, but I hit the gas kind of deal. Uh, we have our fair share of those, that's for certain. But you know, whenever you have a, uh, an accident, you look at three things. Is, it, is the roadway engineered properly? Are you educating the drivers properly? Or is a driver in attention? And most of the time, we go through all those steps when we look at high accident areas. We look at the engineering and make sure that the, the, the area is configured properly. And mm-hmm. we ask our partners at the county road department and our state road department to help, that, help with us because we have a lot of we have a lot of state roads. I mean, yeah. State Highway 70 runs all the way through town. It's a nexus of 15 miles of Route 70. Uh, Route 539 is a county uh, road. And they're all high-speed roads. So you look at the engineering first, and then you see, is the roadway, you know, is it engineered properly? Is mm. there something wrong with the roadway? You know, if, if the answer to that is the, the, engine, the uh, roadway is engineered properly, then you look at, okay, what's the driver doing? You know, is it an education? Can we go out there and do enforcement? And as well as educate the drivers, or is it enforcement itself where we go out and we actually issue summonses for these things? And during the course of that, that investigation or looking at that, we try to figure out if it's, it's a driver and attention thing. And most of our accidents and most of the accidents that I think occur 
everywhere are driver inattention. Mm. That is actually a, a fault of the driver. And it's not necessarily distracted driving. It's just the fault of the driver. It's not the fault of the roadway. It's not the fault of anything else. Is, is there way to, ways to, I guess, help with that education for drivers, especially, or do you think there should be at a, I guess, a certain age of taking a driver's test again or something like that? I know it's been a discussion at times in Trenton, um, but with taking that test just to make sure that they're alert and, uh, and aware of what's going on on the roads, so that they could be safe for themselves and certainly anybody else. I'm not sure if a test at a certain age would be really received properly mm. or received well, right. that's for certain. But I know that in our investigation of an accident, if we see that there's a, a test required as part of the, our enforcement, the summons we can order, well, actually we can ask for it, and the judge can order a retest of certain people okay. uh, under certain conditions. So it doesn't happen often, but right. if we truly see and find someone that really needs uh, to be reevaluated, we actually have the, the authority to do that. Well, we have the, the authority to recommend it. And then the judge would actually be the municipal court judge would be the one who orders that. No, that's a great point. I, um, it, I guess in terms of overall driver inattention, that is non-alcohol, drug-related, or cell phone-related. How would you uh, advise drivers to just try and be prepared, be as alert as possible? Is it drinking a bunch of coffee? Do you, I guess you know sometimes you see things. Maybe it's people getting distracted by whatever they're seeing. Maybe it's uh, driving at night. You know, if it's an in a, not an area of road that's not as well lit as others, um, daydreaming, whatever else is, are there things that you need people to be aware of so that they're taking the proper precautions as they're going out there on the road? More important than anything, they need to be aware of of their own actions and aware of themselves. So it's very easy to get lost in in things or get lost in um, your own conversations inside your head. But once you recognize that you're doing that, you have to actually come out of it and say, listen, I need to pay attention here, you know, and just, I know, and I've done it too, like you get in the car and you drive somewhere and things have happened at work or things have happened Mm -hmm. at home. And then you get home, you're like, I kind of got here on autopilot, you know, that's that's not really a good way to drive. So when you find yourself in those situations, and we all do, um, you have to actively learn to take yourself out of it, you know. Yeah, no, it's 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 scary. Like if yeah. you find yourself on a auto, and also you're like, how did like wait? I was just driving. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're at your where you were planning. You're kind of like, you, it's like you know the route. You get yeah. there safely, and everybody yeah. else moves around safely. Right. But it's like, how do you get from A to B? As a long time ago, I grew up in Tom's River, and I mm. went to college in Newark. And that's you know you live in Newark, and it was a great experience. But we would come home on the weekends. But sometimes sure. you get in the car on the parkway, and that you're talking 35 some years ago. I've been out of college <laughs> for quite some time. And you arrive on 280 in New York, you go, I don't know. It seemed like it only took a couple minutes, but right. you've been on the phone, on the road for over an hour. You get into the radio or something, you get into thoughts in your head or whatever it is. You know, we've all done it. It's it's very easy right. to do, you know. And nowadays with everything beeping and 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 going off in the car, uh, it's very easy to get distracted. Those, those aren't helpful, that's for certain. Yeah, sure. I get, you have so much going on inside the car or outside the car. And then I guess in some cases, people end up making the wrong turn. Um, going back to a point you had, uh, just, uh, with talking with the County or I guess the state, if, if it gets that with roads like route 70 or, or other or County related roads in addressing any kind of concerns, have there been m- many discussions in terms of adding in any additional lights or for, for your department or anybody else to add, you know, extra stop signs or yield signs or cameras in the area just to kind of keep an eye on things and try and, you know, help you investigate anything, but certainly also help drivers just better, have a better view of things going on, you know, as it relates to nighttime driving. 
You look at the intersections, and uh, I'll take Route 70, Route 571, mm. which in, in Manchester is probably one of the largest intersections. It's yeah. four lanes going in each direction, coming and going. It's a, it's a very well-engineered intersection. So you have accidents there, but it's not the fault of the roadway. It's the fault of the drivers and, and the traffic in there. So then let's take a look at Route 70 in, in, in the wedding section of Manchester Boulevard. We had a number of accidents there in the past year, and we got on with our, our DOT partners and came to some very valid conclusions about making some change at that intersection. So with them, uh, as it's their roadway, we can make suggestions. We can't certainly make them do what they don't want to do, but they're very receptive to that. So they're going to be making some changes. You know, you make a left-hand turn lane, uh, a left-hand turn light a little bit longer, mm. you make the stop, maybe where you had it, no right turn on red, you make a right turn on red or you reverse it. So we, we had these discussions. Uh, in this past year, they added a, a traffic light at the intersection of Commonwealth and Northampton, okay. which was a blinking light from when I went to, I had a friend of mine who lived in Pine Lake Park when I was in middle school, and that blinking light has been there since, oh. uh, as far as I can remember. <laughs> and the fact that it got changed out this year honestly surprised me quite a bit. It just, it was an intersection where you have a lot of accidents, but the accident is not the fault of the roadway. It's the fault of the, of the drivers not uh, paying attention to the stop signs there. Do you find that... Um that those blink, the yellow blinking lights or whatever, where people are supposed to slow down, check, you know, left, right, what's ahead of them with other cars. Do you find, just off the cuff here, that those can cause more accidents as opposed to a traditional traffic light or a stop sign with th- people just being not as patient? Yeah, I think that there's a school of thought that these things do cause other distractions, but when you look at the the real engineering and science behind it, they actually enhance to the driver's, uh, you know, attention. Mm-hmm. The rumble strips in the roadway... They're going to get your attention. Uh, blinking red stop signs instead of a blinking overhead light. You yeah. know, the stop sign is eye level, whereas an overhead light is typically above your visor. It's going to draw your attention more. You still have these point. accidents, and they still occur. Um, but not, we, we, I can't put a cop at every intersection. <laughs> right. you know, I, I'm sure a lot of folks would like me to do that at times, but it's just yeah, I'm uh, sure. it's an 85-square-mile town. i got a lot of road to cover. A lot of ro- a lot All of right, everybody, you, you got a road here and yeah. here? <laughs> Head on out. Yeah. Um, car, another car accident-related question, whether it's alcohol or drug-related, just to hit on that. Um, do you find that those there's a lot of those, whether it's holiday-related or into the new year, wintertime, you know, I guess maybe people, you know, going to and from bars with less to do outside, um, and then, of course, year-round. Um, you finding that there are any concerns when it comes to any amount of alcohol or drug or impaired driving um, I, I know that checking our stats that our DBI arrests are, are up over 10% this year. Um, wow. So there's quite a, a jump for us. Our fatal accidents are up, our, our regular accidents are up as well. And I think if you look at and, and you ask other departments, they'll tell you the same thing. Um, the alcohol problem, uh, the driving while impaired alcohol has always been there. We're mm-hmm. very, actually very, very well versed with, very well versed with dealing with that. Sure. Um, the legalization of marijuana has caused some challenges because- um, there was just a recent Supreme Court case uh, in New Jersey. A special master was was uh, put in place, and they evaluated the Drug Recognition Expert Program, which at one point I was an instructor of okay. uh, in my career, which helps you evaluate people who are under the influence of, of drugs. Now, marijuana may be legal in, yeah. in the state now, but it's still illegal to drive uh, while impaired under marijuana, mm-hmm. just as alcohol is legal, but you cannot drive while impaired with alcohol. Right. So... Uh, we have some catching up to do when it comes to that and our drug recognition drug recognition expert programs with the state police head up, and they do a great job in providing training. And uh, we had a lot of uh, 
a lot of DREs in my agency at one point. We had up to 11. Um, but then you have COVID and the DRE program requires you to get up close and personal. Um, not really advised during that time period. So, you know, there's some challenges with coming, keeping people certified. But with the Institute of the, uh, the CREMA Act, uh, mm. we're going to be going back to that. And as, as that expands and we have repositories coming into areas around us. Manchester has an ordinance where we don't, we're not have repositories or resellers in Manchester Township. Okay. But other, other towns around us do. And we're going to see that more and more. And we need to be very well equipped, very uh, better equipped than we are now to currently deal with that issue. Do you think there needs to uh, sort of to build on that uh, more, I guess, either community-related programs or education-related programs when it comes to uh, driving under the influence? You know, certainly somebody's choice to drink, whether it's a couple beers, a couple shots, several beers, whatever it is, or smoke marijuana and then get behind the wheel. I mean, that's that's driver uh, error and whatever excuses people use to justify it, um, to kind of lessen that behavior as best you can to reinforce any point to say, listen, stay home, find a rideshare service, find a friend, find a family member, whatever it is, find an alternate way to get to and from if you actually need to go out or just stay put to, you know, just listen, it's n- it's not just about a summons, a ticket, you know, spending time in court or whatever, but it could also be injuring yourself or s- somebody else. Um, sometimes, God forbid, fatally. I think that the key to that is outreach to our, our newer drivers and our education programs in schools. Uh, in Manchester, we teach the lead program in the elementary schools, mm. and then one of our one of our most successful programs is the hashtag Not Even Once program, oh, yeah. where we actually teach uh, um, in the high school where you're going to have these students who are at, on the cusp of, of experimenting with those drugs where we really get to them and go over these things, as well as outreach. You know, have, I have officers in schools who teach uh, DUI programs. They teach, they sit in on driver's education programs. So the education aspect of that happens before these kids get their license. Um, afterwards, I think overall, I don't know if we can do a better job with it or not. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to do it. I'm sure someone smarter than me would probably figure it out, but it's certainly something to look at. Uh, I know NHTSA does a uh, great outreach when it comes to that with some of the programs that they fund for us, which we get funding for, and we wind up putting extra guys on the streets whenever we can, whether it be drunk driving enforcement funds or mm-hmm. um, uh, driving while impaired uh, money from the state or the federal government that helps us enforce the laws when they need to be um, enforced at these times. The night before Thanksgiving is probably one of the biggest nights, uh, one of the yeah. most dangerous nights. People think it might be New Year's, but actually it's not. You know, it's, it's the night, that Wednesday before Thanksgiving where you have more than New Year's impaired driving accidents. Yeah, I guess people impaired, coming people home coming and whatnot. People coming home. Families yeah. and friends, yeah. Yeah. Reunions. Reunions. You know. <laughs> kids coming home from college. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there was a lot. There's a lot going on on that night in particular. And we address it with, with people on the road. You know, that's, that's where we can address it best, at least at that time. I mean, has the horse left the barn at that point? It has, but sure. um, we can only solve, we can't solve all the problems. We can only solve the ones right. we're really empowered to do, you know. Do you find that doing, would, doing more of, I guess, of those um, sobriety checkpoints or things like that set up throughout town help kind of reinforce that message as well to say, hey, don't go out there and do it. We are watching, but it's not just, you know, to pull you over and give you a ticket. It's for your safety and everybody else's. Yeah. There, we, we run them at, at Route 70, and I want to say McKelvey Park. That's not proper, though. Route 70 eastbound just before the Lakehurst, uh, the Eisenhower Circle. Hmm. We've run them there. We've run them on Route 571 by the ball fields. And we actually put a lot of cars through there, much more than than I ever thought. 
Um, I was always tasked with with working that because I, I lived in town, so it's easy for me to go and do it. And sure. with, uh, as a lieutenant or a sergeant at that time, uh, I think they're very effective. I mean, we would have we probably get three to four people off the checkpoint a night okay. just on on DUIs, and then there's other things, uh, you know, unregistered drivers, uh, mm. suspended drivers, where it's kind of a big dragnet. Uh, there's very specific guidelines that you have to follow. You right. Know, you can't hold them up for too long. Uh, you know, that is a constitutional issue. But as long sure. as you work within those guidelines and, and conduct it properly with the, our partners at the Ocean County Prosecutor's Office, I think they're very effective. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I mean, yeah, I would I would certainly agree. I think anything you could do to, to help reinforce the message to make sure people are doing okay. And if, right. you know, they're in a situation where they shouldn't be out there to you know, send them to the appropriate, uh, take the, taking the appropriate steps that they're not doing that, those kinds of things again. Just to, I guess, close up um, our conversation on car accidents, as we kind of recap everything we said, are you seeing a certain amount of car accidents in, in a particular time of the day or for particular reasons, um, you know, that is, that is causing any concern that you're working to address? You're going to get a kick out of this, but when you look at the data, the biggest place we have car accidents is shopping centers. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Wow. Shopping centers. I don't want to name any particular shopping centers. I don't want anyone to get really upset. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, when you look at uh, our data in particular, those accidents, they're really where we have our most. I mean, we have our fair share on roads, and our roads are high speed, like Route 70 is 55 miles an hour, yeah. and Route 539 is 55 miles an hour or so. Um, you have them there fairly often, and they can be fairly serious at times. But, oh, uh, sure. Um, for the most part, shopping centers in, in Manchester are where we have our most accidents, as as funny as that would sound. Is it 50-50? No, it's probably like 85-15, okay. I would say. You know, 85 mm. car-to-car or car-to-fixed object, and then higher than you would think, you know. But it's these shopping centers are busy. You yeah. Know, and there's a lot of people going through there. Um, so um, high traffic, high pedestrian, those areas are areas of concern for anyone. And, Oh, sure. I mean, you may look at other towns and other chiefs might say the same thing or they might not. But mm-hmm. I bet if they really look at it, they would probably find that, yeah, you know, this shopping center, this major shopping center is where I have most of my minor motor vehicle accidents. Yeah, so I guess especially if you're walking out of a, a supermarket and it's a, in a big, you know, plaza, shopping center, or whatever else, and there's a bunch of things there. Right. Parking can sometimes be at a premium and then all of a sudden you got cars going in and out of lanes and everything like yeah, that. Well, people and are people trying to find a spot and they in may and not stores. see somebody walking. And, um, it's tight. Or just hit, uh, yeah. you know, hit somebody else's car. I, I, have, a, I have an F-150. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And I, I can't, I, can't <laughs> just, I park out because I find it difficult even for myself to, with a backup oh, sure. camera and everything sure. to, to kind of... It, it's tightened there, you know. Back, it's, they back meet it minimum in requirements. Back away. <laughs> minimum requirements. Pack the maximum number of people in there that the ordinance allows, and get them into the store. So yeah, it's it's tight, you know. <laughs> I was trying to venture towards like the back of a parking lot. Like, all right, let me find a spot. Not too many cars yeah, in the area. The door yeah, back it, back my yeah. truck in. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I usually take up. I go out all the way on the end where no one's there, and I park 
out there and just yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll run the gauntlet to the front door and see how I do. Get some cardio in, right? Yeah, yeah right. So it's a nice count workout. Your steps. Yeah. Count your <laughs> like steps. Exactly. New Year's resolution. There it is. There you Spark go. Away. There you go. Your We're solving away. your cardio problems yeah. here on New Year's Day. Um, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> for all of you who have cardio goals, just park, park near the as far entrance as to as the parking lot or yeah. park away from the front of the store. You'll be all You'll right. Get your steps in. Certainly, make sure you park in, yep. within the parking spot as well. I mean, I think that's just a pet peeve where you're parking like cars over the line or literally taking up two that's different tough. spots, kind of yeah. like half here, half there, just kind of like uh, it's. I mean, there's an episode of The Simpsons once. It was a Christmas episode where Homer just literally parks across like two, two or three different <laughs> spots in the handicap section, just kind of walks nice. away. It's like that wasn't me. <laughs> um, so yeah, make sure you park and pick park and right. Uh, be courteous to every other driver out there. Um, Chief is, is without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running. Everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We moved into an, a couple other topics I want to touch on this morning. Um because you hit on it as well with the marijuana point in the last part of our conversation, last segment and everything with the state of police in society as it relates to marijuana with some of the uh, legislation that's come down from Trenton, uh, some of the rules, and not just with the marijuana cannabis and the challenges there, um, but I know in, in other conversations that we've had on the shore that I've had with other chiefs, others in law enforcement, the lack of people applying, trying to, or officers transferring, uh, police retiring early, police chiefs retiring early um, because of the legislation, because of the rules, the challenges imposed on police. How difficult um, is it right now? Um, and I know you've, you've been in law enforcement and in Manchester for uh, for a long time. Just how have you seen things change? Have you ever seen things kind of the way they've been the last couple of years and right now into 23? Never. I think policing has come so far in in my 30 years of law enforcement um from when i started the advent of the in the in-car cameras the body-worn cameras those are things that actually we we absorbed rather quickly and rather easily mm. um what, what i found with my younger officers is that they're of the generation where they've been on camera their entire time and once they got used to it it really didn't bother anybody you know um the legislation with marijuana um you know Marijuana is legal. It's legal. Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's the way it is. It's just like at one point alcohol was illegal as well, and that's changed uh, from a long time ago. So um, these are problems we have to deal with it, and uh, we deal with it with the best we can within the guidelines that we have. And our attorney general is you know, much more proactive. He's he's he comes out and he says what he says, and these are the guidelines. And these uh, marijuana guidelines, um, they don't they're unable to prohibit law enforcement from partaking in that, which is something that. I'm very much against. I think it's a, a is a huge liability to allow uh, law enforcement officers to use marijuana at any time, mm. and uh, unfortunately, the law doesn't allow us to prohibit it like we were used to. Do you, do you find that just you know, in in terms of just enforcing public safety, making sure people are doing the right thing and at the right times and not doing anything illegal and trying to do what you can to protect people, whether it's juveniles or or adults, um, that there's challenges what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do? Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you can walk around the 
anywhere and smell marijuana. That different for me. I mean, we we've prohibited cigarette smoking in areas, but I don't know. We've really caught up with prohibiting marijuana in certain areas too. So um, behaviors are learned, and the, the officers are actually very well trained, and they're very tuned into it. So is it a challenge if it's if it's being utilized illegal? Uh, I'm sorry, if it's being utilized legally, it's mm. not a challenge, you know. Uh, but in areas where there's a question mark, there are certainly some challenges on law enforcement's part to prove whether or not marijuana in particular is being used in a legal capacity or in an illegal capacity. Whether, I guess, legislatively or broad scale uh, society-wise, New Jersey-wise, do you find, or are any anybody in your department or anybody you've talked to in law enforcement in Ocean County or elsewhere, just finding the challenges of the times uh, with feel, ever feeling like you're walking you know, uh, on eggshells or anything, afraid about what to do, afraid that somebody's going to be recording you on a cell phone or a camera or something like that and c- cutting it up, editing it to f- to fit a certain narrative. Do you find that that's just a big challenge with the job nowadays? You do have that. I mean, um, there's YouTube videos of First Amendment auditors out there. Um, uh, and, and it happens. Officers make mistakes. Uh, just they're, they're, they're human just like anyone else. Does. So you learn from that, you discipline, you train, and you move on just like anyone else would. Um but the challenge isn't, I'm lucky in, in my town is that every, once a month I run coffee with a cop. So we mm. put a little community outreach where there you go. myself, uh, Captain Manko, uh, Detective Festige, who runs my social media, and one of my traffic safety officers, and well as uh, Patrolman Keith Craig, who's my school resource officer, we go and we stay. We were at Stop and Shop last month. We've been at ShopRite. Nice. We've been at, uh, at, we started off at Terry's Bagels. So once a month, we go out and we sit and we, and we talk to folks. And in Manchester, I'll speak from my own experience, sure. my residents are terribly supportive. They really are. Um, they're terribly supportive of law enforcement. They always come up and say, thank you. Very rarely do I have a problem with the residents in town. It's good. In those, that they're not filming me at, at Stop and right, Shop. And, right. you know, I, don't have, I haven't had that. Knock on wood, it'll probably happen next time. <laughs> thanks for asking. I appreciate that. You know, I'll give you a call back in January when we do our sure. say, thanks, have another conversation. Thanks for to me, you know. Um, but no, I'm very lucky. We are. And I think overall in law enforcement in this county, and I, I can only speak for, for my experiences too, I think we're very lucky. We have a very supportive public yeah, in this town, I in think this so. county, uh, for law enforcement. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I think Ocean County, um, very fortunate to have a lot of people who are very supportive of, of police um, in their town and, and across the county uh, to the sheriff's office and prosecutor's office. I mean, it's, um, you know, very supportive of law enforcement. I think that's that's a good thing. Um, it, it is. It, it actually attests to, to, to my residents as well because um, 50% of my residents in Manchester are over the age of 65. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. So you have that generation which sees law enforcement in, in I want to say, in, in the old, I want to say the old school light, but that's really what it is. Is yeah, that yeah, no, from, I get from you. an older light? Um, then... 10% of my town is veterans alone. Like, so I have mm. over, I checked the stats before, 4,600 veterans in town out of 45,000 wow. people. That's wow. a lot. Yeah, yes. You know, and the support that you garner from from those families and the extended families of that veteran family is, uh, it, it can't be compared. It really can't. Because of that generation, they get it, you know. Um, they get it in a different way than, than a lot of the other generations have gotten it too. In addition to things like coffee with a cup, what are, uh, I guess some other programs or events you have or they'd like to do to be able to continue to build on police community relations, give residents an opportunity to meet you, say hello, you know, just say, be able to give any kind of feedback, whether it's just, hey, I think you guys are doing a great job or 
you know, raise any concerns that they're seeing or hearing about? Well, we we have Manchester Day, which is given at Harrowright Lake in June, which is kind of our our Fourth of July celebration. It doesn't actually occur on the Fourth of July, but mm. that's a festival area. And Harrowright Lake in in Whiting is absolutely beautiful. You know, we have yeah. a huge uh, lake out there that's that's fed by uh, spring, two beaches, and plenty of room for people to come. This year was the first time, but myself and Chief Matt Klein from Lakers got together and we did we did um first night um oh yeah um in August, in August. Uh, uh, okay. your first night the nationwide uh, national night out there national you go. Night there, right. there uh, is there is and uh, <laughs> I know and we did it in Lakers because the challenge with Manchester is it's an eighty five square mile town right and we get calls all the time are you the wedding police. It's Manchester Police, man. Where it's the same, but <laughs> yeah. you, you get that same town. It's the same town, you know. Right. But people have a, an idea that um, they're separate. So we did that with um, Chief Klein and Lakehurst, and we had a great turnout. Nice. It was the first time we've ever done it. Uh, something when I walked through it when I became chief uh, in July of 2021. I went there in August. I walked by there and I said to Chief Klein, who I've known you know all my career, I go, why aren't we doing this together? You know, he's like, it's sure. a good idea. You know, so mm-hmm. when we ran it this year, we had a great turnout. We had, awesome. we had our, our partners from Lakers Naval Air Station, who I met there. We had our volunteer ser- fire services, our EMS services. They all came together. And we had a great night, in, uh, and that was held at Lake Horicon in uh, Lakers Borough. Mm. Next year, there's been talks. We may move someplace in Manchester and flip mm-hmm. back and forth. So oh, there you go. Nice. That's something that we started this year, which we had a great deal of success for, and um, I really liked it. You know, On top of the outreach that we do in the schools, you know, I have a school resource officer here. I have officers who teach LEAD. Our, mm. our, our NEO program. Right. Um, I have a great, very robust chaplain program too, where I have uh, chaplains and I visit the churches. It's so important to have those faith-based organizations oh, absolutely. too. Um, and we do outreach through there as well as just being in the community. That's great. Um, and as we, as we close up here, Chief, um, something that I, I took a look at is, you know, a couple of years ago with some of the, the training that you guys do with um, possible recruits and those trying to, to join the force. Went to the Manchester Township High School. They were doing physical training a couple of years ago, Dave, and some of the physical tests. Uh, then they had to go to the um, the exam and some other parts of uh, what goes into it. I think it's very thorough. I think sure. it's everybody's physically fit, and I love to see that in, in a police agency with you know requiring that kind of uh, physical ability, mental, um, emotional, and you know just making sure that you're doing the right thing at all times. So. Take, take us all through a dive about what, what is required to be a police officer in Manchester, physically, uh, exam-wise, everything. So we start our, our process. Um, our process is uh, given in-house. So we're not a civil service agency. We're mm. technically a chief's agency. Right. So the, um, the testing process is covered via policy procedure and, and resolution by the township. Um, when I had first started and took the, take the test in 1993, it was just a PT test and it was brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. I, you know, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, over the years, though, we've become a little more reasonable, and now we give a, a PT test at the high school. Um, you, you pass the PT test, which is significant. It's based upon the Cooper standards, and you know we rate that according to gender and put them all in a big list. And then if you pass our standard, and the standard on a scale from – Zero to five hundred, which is typically the scale used for that sort of things. Okay, uh, is like is like two fifty, you know. And when you look at some of them, you go, okay, here's the Mason Dixon line. So above that, we have passed. Uh, below that, they have not, and they mm-hmm. get and they get removed from the process. After that, um, those candidates that pass the PT exam will sit for a, a, a written exam administered by the New Jersey State Association of Chiefs of Police. 
So uh, Chief Bill Nally, a retired uh, chief from, from Lacey Township, runs that program. Okay. And that written test is again scored. And we have a, a set score for that. Mm, right. 75, 85, I don't recall what it is off the top of my head. Um, and that whittles it down further. Okay. After that, we take the top 20 or 25 applicants and do a very structured, very kind of a high-stress interview. It's typical in law enforcement, not that we're yelling at them, but we're sitting in front of a board of the chief of police, a captain, uh, two lieutenants, and a detective, and we're delving into questions about your integrity, your character, and your background. So if you pass that, you know, (laughs) and we take the top candidates from there, only after that, we submit them to a background investigation, which is ridiculously thorough. I have detectives who do, uh, I want to say they do nothing but this, but that would be untrue. But certainly when it's come time to recruitment, they're doing nothing but background checks. Oh, wow. And then after they pass that, then we would give them a conditional law for employment and they're subject to psychological testing and drug testing after that. So it is an arduous process. And uh, That's uh, great though. It, it's, it's very thorough. It's typical of a lot of other agencies uh, that you'll find in Ocean County. Um, they have different aspects of the test, how it works, but it all follows the same format pretty much. And, uh, and just one, one quick follow-up on all that. What are some things that you look for character-wise during the recruitment process in, in that uh, part of the phase um, with what you're looking for these men and women to, to have um, character-wise, intellectually, you know, emotionally, to know that they can handle themselves in the right situation and do the right thing at all times? Over the course of the years, we've kind of... Um, kind of moved on. Like typically you would have officers to be very young coming into this where we're in college educated. Mm. Now I think that I know the movement has been towards more uh, educated officers, two-year, four-year degree, and some experience before mm. they actually come in. Not necessarily law enforcement experience, you know, and they have good uh, emotional intelligence. I think that's terribly high and it's very difficult to measure. Um, sure. High integrity, high credibility, absolute truthfulness, um, those are like minimum requirements. If we find any dent in those couple characters, we're not going to accept you. You know, we'll, we'll move on. We have a, a large pool of applicants typically, and um, there's other, there's others. So wow. it's 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 a difficult process. It is. I think it's great. I think it's it's a standard. Uh, yeah, I know other departments do that as well. But I, I know every time I think of it, I always look at what you guys do have have done in Manchester with. Uh, with yourself and uh, with uh, Chief Lisa Parker retired, uh, with what you've been doing in Manchester for for years, then I, I think it's great. I think it's a standard that um, that I love to see departments do with having this rigorous testing to make sure that you're able to handle the job physically, emotionally, mentally, and uh, and every single angle that you're fit for duty. And and I love to hear it too. During uh, you know we ask the candidates typically we give them a chance to sell themselves. It says why why should we pick you? Sure. Well, why, why Manchester? Why are, you, why are you interviewing for us? And then why should we pick you? And probably the highest compliment in those who are law enforcement or military will get this. It says, you're a squared away agency. You guys do, you look great. You have great policies, procedures. You have good training. Mm. You're squared away. Yeah. That's like the highest compliment I can get from a law enforcement officer or someone in, in that sure. service there. If you say I'm a squared away agency, then we're doing something right. And I'm really proud of, of, of hearing that. And uh, I'd be remiss if I hear it every time in an interview, but I hear it a lot. And when I, when I do hear it, I know we're doing the right thing. And we're continuing to do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Chief, keep doing what you're doing, you and the yes, department and everything. And, and thanks for joining us here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Town Square Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue. Now it's time for Dan Alexander to take the wheel and give you a look at what's going on on the Jersey Shore calendar this week. What's going on tonight, Dan? 
Then Sunday the 15th, the Lacey Township High School Fishing Club hosts its 13th annual Fisherman's Flea Market at the school from 9 until 2. Wednesday the 18th, training for contact of Ocean of Monmouth Counties begins at St. Luke's Roman Catholic Church in Towns River at 6.30 and continues for 12 weeks. Contact is a 24-hour crisis intervention hotline that also provides information and referral to community services. And looking into February, Saturday, February 11th, the Barnegat High School Class of 2023 holds their senior class gift auction in the high school cafeteria on Bengal Boulevard in Barnegat. That starts at 2 p.m. To get your nonprofit club or organization's event listed on the community calendar, click the submit link at the top of the community calendar page on this station's website. For Jersey Shore Journal, I'm Dan Alexander. Town Square Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue. Well, it's time for me to say goodbye and good night. We do have a full look at what's going on in Jersey Shore news on our free Town Square Media family of apps here in Monmouth and Ocean Counties. Have a great night and a great week ahead, everybody. Take care. This has been Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue, a public affairs presentation of Town Square Media. Join us again next week as we keep you informed about important issues affecting Monmouth and Ocean Counties. If you have a story you'd like us to cover on Jersey Shore Journal, please email the host, vin.ebenue at townsquaremedia.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.